0: to another edition of the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. And this show is dedicated to entrepreneurs and small business people. The show has really two goals. I want to share helpful information and resources. If I can help just one or two of you out there not make some of the mistakes I've made or I've seen, then I've been successful. The second goal is to inspire. I found being an entrepreneur Confusing, lonely, oftentimes, sometimes downright depressing and discouraging. To help with both those goals, I have guests on the show every week who share their stories and advice. And this week, I have not one, but two guests, a dynamic husband-wife duo, Jordy and Jana McNamara, who are the co-founders of a company called Critter. So what is Critter about? Well, I'm going to let Jordy and Jana explain what the business is about and how they came up with this idea. Jonna and Jordy, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on The Savvy Entrepreneur this week. Thanks
1: so much, Doris. We're, uh, we're excited to be here. Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Absolutely. I love husband and wife deals. It's always fascinating how people come up with business ideas, first of all, but I'm also just fascinated by how people decide to go into business together. But before we delve into some of that, talk about what Critter is. I love the name, by the way, but what is Critter and what does it do?
1: Basically, Critter is a mobile app that makes it easy to manage and share pet care responsibilities. I mean, the idea is that our app can connect all of the different people and kind of all of the different aspects of your pet's care in a single central location. You know, what that means in practice is with our first version, you can track any key activities related to your pet. You can share things like updates and instructions for their care with with anybody who needs to know about your pet's care. That could be, you know, day-to-day within your household for or, you know, if you're leaving your pet with somebody else and you need to provide instructions for their care.
0: Well, I think that's great. I've been a longtime dog owner, so I have, you know, kind of a personal interest in hearing what this is about, but I can't tell you the number of times on scraps of paper, I've written out instructions for various people who are helping take care of the dogs, right? The vet and what they like to do and how often to feed them and how much, and, you know, if they have meds and all that stuff, right?
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> So the idea would be you input this one time and you can then share it with whoever has the app.
1: Yeah. So the idea is, you know, I, as a pet owner, sign up for the app. I add uh, my pets to my account and then we have this concept of a, a circle, a, a care circle, essentially. And you, you, as a pet owner, invite whoever you feel fits, you know, in their circle to join your pet's care. And you you invite them, they download the app, and then they're able to kind of participate in the app with your pet's care. So the idea is anybody in the circle has access to see a timeline of events and activities that are related to your pet's care, as well as what we call a care plan. And that's where you kind of outline all of the different uh, instructions, the things you hit on, Doris, you know, the, the medications, the feeding, the walks, the, you know, whatever it might be. And then that's an easy place for me as a pet owner to maintain instructions over time and easily kind of just share it with anybody who's invited to the circle.
0: How'd you get the idea for this business? Yes. The original
2: idea came actually from a problem. You know, we experienced in our own life being pet owners. Uh, we have a dog, Lucy, and typically we'd leave her with Dre's parents. Like anytime we'd go out of town or something like that. Every time we left her, we'd write up, you know, a long list of instructions to remind them, you know, what medications she was taking, like when and how to give them, her walk schedule, any feeding instructions and just like any other miscellaneous things they need to know. So, you know, like we said, we'd write it all on this piece of paper leave it with them. And of course, inevitably there'd be something we forgot to include or like questions that we needed to clarify. And so like every time we come home, you know, we would always just say to each other, there really should be a better way to kind of maintain and share all this information.
0: Well, so is the idea that you would be able to invite your vet to, to, Join the circle, or I'm not sure what their response would be if I told my vet to do that.
1: (laughs) No, so that's a good question. I mean, that's the long-term vision. Everything we've described so far is kind of our phase one in terms of like what our initial product will be and who it's geared towards, you know, and that's the pet owner. But our long-term vision is to build software for pet professionals. And that would be your vet or your dog walker or a trainer, a groomer, you know, really anybody who might, uh, you know, professionally work with pets. We plan to build software for them. And at that point, they would then get the benefit of our pet owner app becoming their de facto customer application that they can interact with you. So I think if you went to your vet today and said, hey, join my circle, I think they'd be like, what are you talking about?
0: <laughs> um, you know. I'm, I'm just envisioning my crusty old vet. I love her dearly, but I yeah. just, I'm not picturing it.
1: Yeah, exactly. So like
2: the ad- idea kind of has like evolved a bit over time, like we start out you know, thinking the day-to-day tracking and sharing, but like the professionals would be the long-term, you know. And so we just kind of were thinking we'd use that, you know, in our own lives and it really solved the problem we experienced ourselves being pet owners.
0: So what is your revenue model? Are you doing ads or are you hoping people will pay for this? How are you structuring it?
1: I mean, I think this is an area that will definitely take shape and become firmer over time because I think there are a lot of different directions we could go. So I anticipate a little bit of experimentation with different approaches and ways of making money you know, to start, everything is going to be free. So when we launch our app, um, and I think that's worth clarifying, we're in the process, you know, the the final stages of of launching the app right now. So we anticipate it becoming available at some point in September in the Apple App Store, as well as the Android App Store.
0: Wow, um, but- that, that's right around the corner, Jordy. We are yeah. September 1 here as we speak.
1: It is, uh, it is definitely right around the corner. We're testing it now. So uh, we're, we're definitely coming down to those final stages. But yeah, so like when, when it does launch, it's gonna be free to you as a pet owner. Um, I think next year we may explore doing something like a, what's called a freemium model. So that's where you know we'd have a subscription to unlock certain premium features for pet owners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's probably our starting point as we think about getting to profitability. But I think ultimately over time, our revenue model will mostly, I, I think if we think about what the biggest opportunity and the most obvious way to generate revenue, it's by providing that software piece to pet professionals that we touched on Mm. it's it's software that that allows them to run their business you know so you can think about things like scheduling and payments and account management customer communication just kind of like any kind of key functionality that they need to run their business and interact with customers we think we can handle that piece of it and deliver it all through our app that our pet owners are already using so um, We see that as probably our most likely revenue model, but we are going to kind of play around with different approaches over the next year as we build out the professional's functionality.
0: I mean, the pet industry is a big industry and it's one that people have shown a lot of willingness to spend Quite frankly, crazy amounts of money on. Honestly, I mean, when you think about, you know, you take your dog to the vet, it costs more to have their teeth cleaned than it does to have your own teeth cleaned. Okay, and yet we shell that money out and we buy them, you know, memory foam beds and (laughs) you know, most elaborate pets and treats. So my guess is there may be some some bigger companies that might be you might find some good ad revenue just because it's a place that's targeted for those kind of people.
1: Absolutely. I mean, that's definitely like on the table as something we'll explore. So when I say we'll experiment, I definitely think, You know, and even, you know, we talked about having potentially a premium set of features. So removing ads could be an example of something we would do. So, you know, that inherently provides an opportunity to earn revenue through ads, but then also people want to pay to have them removed among other types of features that that would be. one. Yeah,
0: exactly. So how are you planning to reach your customers? I'm glad I heard about it, but how will other people who are pet owners find out about this?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think one of the great things for us in terms of reaching new people early on is that there is kind of a built-in growth opportunity for us like within the app, because the whole idea is really centered on sharing care, right? So like as an owner, I can invite other people, you know, to what we mentioned is your pet circle, which is really anyone who participates in their care. For example, for us, we'd invite people like my parents who help take care of Lucy or Jordy's parents, as well as anyone else who might help in different ways. So there's a little bit of this built-in, like, virality because pet owners really get the most value by inviting other people to join them, you know, and using uh. that. Yeah, so that, I think, is, like, a big advantage. But obviously, you know, take advantage of that. We have to get our first users on board. You know, I'm a big believer that when we're this early on and the idea of just doing things that don't really scale. So right now, you know, the thing we're kind of focused on is personally going to where our users are by, you know, physically going to places like dog parks or pet, yeah. or pet offices. So we can yep. kind of you know, start spreading the word and making people aware of the app, but also virtually, you know, participating in online communities for pet owners, like Facebook groups. Um, I know we're personally in like a bunch of like and Reddit forums and things like that. So we can start getting some feedback there too.
0: But I haven't looked, but there's probably meetup groups that are Nothing but people who love dogs or cats or whatever the pet is, you know?
2: Right. Exactly.
0: Give people a flavor of how your background led to this venture and prepared you for it and made you want to do this.
2: So for me, I sort of had an interesting path into, you know, the tech world in general. I originally studied food science in undergrad, thought maybe I wanted to go into the health field, eventually go to med school or maybe dental school but eventually decided against those and actually went back to school to get a master's in computer science. I've always been more of a math. Wow. And yeah. And so um, I started my career as a software engineer. I worked at a bank right out of my master's program as a software engineer. And then a couple of different startups in Chicago after that. So I kind of, I got to experience, you know, really different types of companies and cultures. And I just feel like I got a good base of like how startups work and, it got me like down this path and interested in feeling like, Oh yeah, I could, you know, do a startup of my own. And particularly because Jordy and I have really complimentary skills and the experience to pursue this and kind of always wanted to be our own boss.
1: That was such a huge thing for us to be able to, I don't know, I guess, feel comfortable taking the leap and leaving our jobs to start this. I mean, because like for my background, I started out my career in consulting, which I think really just fit my personality and my interest, um, just in terms of really being able to get a good foundation across a lot of different areas and then constantly be learning new skills because I was constantly, you know, switching projects, switching clients and industries and things like that. Mm. Um, I started right out of school uh, working on projects that were in the information security space. And then I eventually tr- transitioned into business analysis, product management, and design for software projects. And then eventually I worked in mergers and acquisitions advisory as well before becoming a product manager at McDonald's, actually. So to, to Jana's point, you know with her experience from a technical perspective, And then my own focused on more of the functional areas around software. I think we were able to at least start with like a good foundation to build from obviously there's just like so much to learn, but having that good mix of skills and experience for this type of company has been a huge help in the beginning. And it's allowed us to get to the point where we're at, which is, you know, right about to launch a full, you know, pretty robust. I mean, I think it's pretty robust, uh, you know, mobile application, you know, without a ton of outside help. And and so, I think that's kind of what's motivated us to start a company um, and, and just really wanting the autonomy that a startup offers and, and the opportunity to really build something from scratch that is, I mean, fundamentally it's ours and to do it in a way that feels true to our values and follow the approach that we think is best. Um, so I think that's just been a lot of fun. And it's it's one of the biggest aspects that that motivates us.
0: Talk a little more about how you decided to start it together. I mean, at one level, it's pretty intuitive. You're sitting across the kitchen table or wherever, and you're kicking around ideas. But on the other hand, there are lots of stories out there about how difficult it can sometimes be. And I'm living and breathing proof. I went into business with a very good friend and came out, unfortunately not friends anymore. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the stories are legend about that. Talk right. about your process and how you work through and got to your comfort level with doing that.
2: I definitely think, you know, the biggest thing for the two of us is we, both of us independently just really wanted greater ownership of our, career, our careers and what we were working on day to day and just like how we went about working on it. So it's something that we each wanted. Um, and I think we have this idea about how we think a company you know, should be run and can be run. And the opportunity to try and make that happen was just like really appeal, appealing to both of us. So part of that is we was just sort of really like this idea of really building something, you know, starting at zero, growing into something, having true ownership that yeah. you are know, not able to working for someone else. And it's an idea, also an idea that had really stuck with us for years that we kind of just like talked about for a long time. So, I think as far as like committing to working on the business full time and together, it was a really like a mix of personal and professional things that we had thought a lot about. And I think just having like a good partnership as husband and wife, we kind of knew what it would be like working together. So, it, it definitely like I think there is something to think about with getting into it with the right partner, but I think also one of the things we discussed was just what it meant for each of our careers. You know, would it be a distraction or slow us down if the, if the business didn't work out? And also just what our backup plan would be if we had to go back to normal jobs. So yeah, yeah. We, had a, we had a lot of conversations like really, uh, the you know, it was a straight decision. We talked a lot about financially, how it would make it work, how far we were willing to take it, and just sort of like what the implications for our savings and everything would be. I think the other thing that we talked a lot about is that we'd been planning to start a family and travels that we wanted to take with what we, well, we haven't talked about No, van.
0: but we're <laughs> going to talk yeah. about the legendary yeah. trip in a van. Yeah. You know,
2: I think we knew that like our skills are pretty complementary. also, just as far as like working together and that just to make sure, you know, we were going in with open communication. And of course you want to, you know, have a partner that you're compatible with. So Yeah. I think
0: Talk about the kind of the skills that you need to run to start and run a business. Are there things you discovered about each other? Things that one or both of you are good at that you didn't realize maybe, or things that neither of you are good at and you'll have to come up with a way to address that.
1: So, I mean, just on like a really basic level from like a skill standpoint, like it's exactly what you said. I think, when you're thinking about starting a software business in particular, you know, you, you think about it a lot as like, you have somebody who does the technical stuff and I'm, I'm, obviously I'm simplifying this and then, you, but you have somebody who does the technical stuff and you have somebody who does all the other stuff, right? The, the business stuff. And I think that's where our skills and kind of experience were complementary. Like, I think a lot of times, like people have business ideas, but they don't have the technical skills to build the software. And I think that's, one I think
0: that's, that's true. Advantage.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think we had that. I mean, that's such a built in advantage for us because Jonna does have the experience actually building software. Uh, And then I personally, you know, I'm not a programmer, I can't code or anything like that. But, you know, basically my entire career, I've spent working with teams who were building software and doing kind of everything around it. So I've experienced designing software, rolling it out, testing it, um, working with engineers to get this software built. So I think that experience on my part, and then her experience actually building it really fit well together. So I think that's like a really basic thing that helped us get started. But then there's, you know, I, I think there's like so much more to starting well, a business. Right.
0: There's layers and layers. I mean, you know, what I found is, for example, I was really good at technical stuff and, you know, I had good working knowledge of business processes, but I I didn't yeah. know how to build a website. I didn't right. really understand how to do A and B testing for marketing and what was effective social media campaigns oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. what billing software I needed to use and uh, you know stuff like that. There's a ton of stuff, right?
1: Yeah. I, similarly, I lack that skill. <laughs> you know, like it's been—it's definitely been a journey. I mean, I feel like I kind of learn something new every week that I don't know. <laughs> you know, personally, and I think, Jonna, from a technical perspective, I mean, you could probably speak to that, but you probably feel similarly, like, just when you're building an app from scratch, it's, I mean, there's 2 million things that need to be taken care of.
2: Yeah, and I think it's just hard in general to have everything in one person, right? right. Like, if you're a founding company by yourself, and so I think it just really helps, it helps in general having two people, but also if you kind of have your, yeah, separate spaces where, like, of course, even with two people there's still so much to learn, but at least like, right, we kind of have our different expertises own those two different spaces and we don't really have, you know, that overlap. So that really, I think helps, helps a lot.
0: (laughs) Well, they say two heads are better than one. And I do actually believe that especially if the two heads work well together already. So (laughs) I kind of alluded to this in passing, but the two of you took a pretty unusual approach to planning and launching your business. And I told Jordy, your trip of a lifetime reminded me of the old movie Lost in America, where the husband and wife take the nest egg and basically go on this this incredible journey in a van. And it sounds a little like that's what you did. So why did you decide to do that? And how did that help you get started with your business?
2: Yeah. um, So I think, you know, we take a step back for context, like, the whole pandemic and COVID was just a really interesting time, obviously. But one of the things that kind
0: of... <laughs> i putting it my... very diplomatically down. <laughs> <though. laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> um, but kind of started during that time. And, you know, one of the things we were able to do was we spent a couple of months working in Maine. We, you know, rented a house on the coast, did a road trip out from Chicago and spent a couple of months working remotely. And we've just always been, we really like traveling. We're big travel people. But I think that like experience kind of opened our eyes to just the idea that Right now in our lives, we wanted to be able to explore some different travel opportunities and that we could do that while working. And we also had this idea of wanting to start our own business. So when we decided to really commit to work on Critter, there was a sort of follow-up question, like, could we do it while traveling? Like, just do it all at once. So we looked into a few different options. And one of the keys was we wanted it to be a cost-effective way to travel because obviously we've left our jobs, you know, we wouldn't have income anymore to fund it. And we, we have been people, we really enjoy hiking and we like national parks and things like that. And so we kept coming back to this idea of doing van life or, you know, basically traveling and living out of a converted camper van. So, yeah, the, the idea, you know, was that basically we could focus on building out the initial foundation of what would become, you know, Critter while driving around the country to different cities, states, and just sort of getting the best of both worlds. You know, which-
0: How long was your trip?
1: When we started out, we kind of thought we would go anywhere from like six to 12 months. We didn't have like a specific set timeline. Um, We just we kind of thought six to 12 months. It ended up being about six or seven months total. I mean I, we haven't really touched on this but mostly because you know well Janna hinted at the whole you know we did have plans to start a family so once Janna was pregnant the van was not the most oh, ideal Oh yeah that's yeah. tough yeah so we came home um not too long after that but we we were on the road in the end for about 6 or 7 months
0: You got to have a funny or interesting story from that trip when you travel that way you- it's definitely different than staying at a Four Seasons hotel. So yeah. <laughs> you got to have a funny story or two.
1: I think there's plenty of funny stories from that time. You know, honestly, um, living out of a van is such a funny sort of experience. I mean, I think it's really cool. I mean, you learn to really become adaptable, and you you learn a lot about what it means to live in a small space with two people. But yeah. I, I think the funny thing that I... That, like stands out that I remember is I, I think this is just like on our second night. So it was really early in the trip. We hadn't really like learned our a full routine and everything like that yet, but we were in the Western part of North Dakota. Um, so we were parked overnight uh, in this really beautiful area on, on BLM land. That's the Bureau of land management, which is public land managed by the government that you can, you can mostly park on and camp overnight for free. Um, but, but we were right outside of Theodore Roosevelt national park when this happened. And, and you know, naturally we have Lucy with us uh, in the van. I would walk her one last time every night, you know, and it, it, you know, it'd be dark out, but so this was our second night. So I haven't fully learned everything that night. I, I took Lucy out, it had gotten really dark. And then there was essentially no light pollution. So you really could not see much of anything at all. And I'm walking Lucy, it's dark. I think I had maybe like my phone out with the flashlight on, mm-hmm. you know, but it's, it's, it's not really that effective. And I'm, I'm following this path near where we're parked in these, you know, these beautiful rolling hills. Um, can't really see too far in front of me. And I'm sort of just absently, you know, absentmindedly enjoying the walk because it's really nice out. And then at some point I look up and around and I see these two, I don't know, two yellowish like ovals. And I, I, I sort of just think to myself, huh, you know, those sort of look like eyes, you know, and, I, and I'm like, eh, they're not moving. Uh, you know, I, I'm just going to shrug it off and, you know, hope that it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's nothing. You know, I keep walking. I, I, I'm looking up again and all of a sudden these two ovals become four ovals. Oh, and no. I, I look around and all of a sudden I see eight ovals and I, I just kept discovering new sets of them. Uh, and they were all just staring at me, and I was like, uh, "What? What's going to?" So I held the flashlight up further in front of me, and I just see this this large, like dark frame of a body, and it starts to move. And I, I, I kid you not, I yelled. I, I think I yelled at the top of my lungs, and just started running in the opposite direction, back towards the van. Uh, I was holding onto the leash and just sort of freaking out. And I think I think I tore open the the van's door. I picked Lucy up and I just slammed it behind me because I, I don't know. I was genuinely really scared. I mean, I really. Oh yeah, to-
0: even around my neighborhood. <laughs> I don't know how big your dog is, but there are fairly good-sized coyotes that patrol around, and um, mostly they'll leave you alone uh, because they get enough garbage and other stuff to eat around here, but... Still, right. if you had a whole pack of them approaching you, I'd be nervous even here, much less out in the okay. middle of nowhere.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I was I mean, I was convinced that this was an angry herd of buffalo <laughs> or a bear or something. I don't, right. you know, I don't even know. Right. I the best part of it, though, is that in the morning, I kind of I, I tentatively like poked my head out. Just to to look around and see if any animals were still so around, and I, I just I mean I just started laughing. I, I see this very peaceful pack of cows. Uh and they're just Oh, you're kidding. They're casually grazing in the area. Uh and and there was actually a wire fence between us. (laughs) So so, I mean, I think I just interrupted their sleep that night. I mean, I I don't think I was in any particularly serious danger, but uh, but that was a lesson, you know, to bring a more powerful flashlight. Uh, as well as, you know, in the future I brought bear spray when I went out at night.
0: That is a pretty funny story. So, Jordi and Donna, we were talking before the break about your van-a-thon, your van trip of a lifetime. I mean, it's a novel way to really plan out and launch the start the launch of a new business. And I'm curious whether you think that the experience of traveling together cross-country in this van while planning out how you were going to launch the business, do you think that that... Was that freeing in some way? Did it change, do you think, how you approached it? Or it's, at some level, I got to think that the business is somehow a little different than it would have been if you were just sitting a, across each other at a kitchen table. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely you
2: know, think it's really fair to say the trip affected the business in both good ways and maybe bads. There's always you know, pros and cons. But I think in general... Starting that way, the lifestyle was really, really great. You know, pretty much every day we would wake up early, make coffee, go for a hike or something, and then kind of work from the early afternoon into the night. And I think it was just like a really good, relaxed, productive atmosphere for us. And it was pretty conducive, you know, to just getting into this good, healthy mindset. I think being out in nature was really good for that too. And I also think, you know, beyond that, the travel also really allowed us to just get out, you know, meet people across the country, um, do, even, you know, some market research in a way that we really wouldn't have been, been able to otherwise. So I think in all those ways, it was really positive, you know, for just informing some early product decisions, getting into a good mindset and all of that. But like at the same time, it's definitely not to say it was easy uh, doing, you know, both those things at once can be difficult you know living in the van was this incredible experience it's really one of those once in a lifetime type of types of things and you know reason why we did it because it's just such a unique thing to get to do um I don't think either of us would ever trade it but at the same time it was difficult at times because it does you know of course take time to adapt we're living with two people and like such a small space and making it all work so
0: I'm sure you had to go shopping a lot more often. It's not like you can like yeah. go to the yeah. store every two weeks and shove it all into this massive refrigerator, right? Exactly. You don't have that. Yeah. Learning to cook in a small space and all of that. You know, we haven't had a
2: fridge, but not the same as being okay. home. Yeah. They're also like something, you know, always kind of goes wrong in one way or another, like rather small or big. Or you whatever. get
0: lost or... Yeah wrong turns or my sister and brother-in-law did a van vacation and they said one of the things that they didn't expect was that navigating sometimes with this big vehicle was quite an adjustment. Did you find that sometimes too?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think logistically, we're also trying to see a lot of different places, a lot of different states and areas, you know, and it, it requires like a lot of planning because right. You have to find um, you have to get to where you want to go, you have to find a place to sleep every night, you know, a place you can park. A place to fill up your water tank and just like all these other aspects that yeah. like normally in everyday life you don't really have to think about as much right but yeah that definitely you know took a lot of time and energy I think on our part particularly early in the trip like as time goes on you kind of get in a groove and it gets easier but it creates some you know types of distractions that kind of make it a little difficult to fully dedicate to like your work and your business so they kind of you know moved a little slower in the beginning yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what have been some of the biggest challenges that you faced so far in getting your business started and set up?
1: I would say, you know, one of the biggest things, and we we, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. It's just like, once you get into starting a business, you realize just how much goes into building a truly full scale production ready, you know, application. And then just more broadly, how much goes into building the business. And, and we've both, you know, like we talked about, we both had experience building software, but then, you know, that was part of a team. So when it's just you, you sort of realize like how much exactly goes into it. And I think one of the biggest things is just realizing, you know, how much you don't know and how much you need to learn and realizing also that like when it's just the two of you, you know, there's no there's no like built in mentorship. You know, we don't, you know, we right. don't have other people that we could go to in the company, you know, to ask questions or, <laughs> or you know, I don't know, like, I don't, I'm not a marketer. Like I don't, I, you know, I've really never done anything in marketing, but I have to learn it, you know? And so who do I go to? How do I learn that? And, you know, there's resources online, but it's not the same as, you know, when you work at a company, you know, there's somebody whose like career is marketing and you write, and right their brain and talk to them and so you know it's just like that was one of i think just like the biggest like early obstacles was just like kind of realizing you know you're on your own and i think doris i think you said that it can feel lonely sometimes and i think that's part of it is that when it is just you and it's yes it's just it's Jana and i but neither of us have marketing experience you know yeah. or, or accounting experience yeah yeah you know, all the different areas we've never done. Um, right. You know, it's kinda, that that can be a mental challenge as well to just kind of stay positive when you're you know, you're running into like new areas that you need to tackle and learn.
0: Yeah. You know, you, know you made an interesting observation, Jordy, that I I think there's a maybe a misconception Among people who are starting out, that you think, well, it's lonely, but if I just had a co-founder, it would be all collegial and you know, back and forth and happy, and I would never feel lonely or confusing. And I I think that's a misconception. Maybe some people have is you can have a co-founder, you can have two or three co-founders, and you can still feel lonely sometimes because you have your own things you're responsible for. And decisions that you need to make and you can't have everything be, you know, big confabs to talk about everything because nothing will get done or at least they won't get done very fast. Right.
1: Right. I think that's spot on. I mean, I it it's it's funny, but it's almost like you're lonely together.
0: <laughs> you know, it's, it's really <laughs> yeah.
1: because I mean, you're right, though, because it, you know, like there's certain decisions that each of us have to be able to make on our own. Like, Donna is constantly you know, making technical decisions for the long-term, like scalability and and reliability of our app that I know nothing about. And, you know, and we can talk about the implications of certain decisions, but at the end of the day, she has to make those decisions. And if I tried to run every decision past her, I mean, I'd be constantly interrupting her. I'd be constantly getting in the way of her progress. So there are a lot of things that we're highly collaborative about, and there's a lot of things we do discuss, but there's still, I mean, there's just so many different areas that need to get done that at the end of the day, sometimes you are on your own to just kind of make a decision, maybe run it by each other to make sure it, it sounds good, uh, but then, you know, keep going. So,
0: yeah, well, and it still can be, I guess, lonely and discouraging at times when you don't make the progress that you had hoped to make, whether you have a co-founder or not, you're lonely together, as you say, or discouraged together. Sure. Right. Right. Well, you, you referenced resources. I'm curious what you found through your journey so far to be particularly helpful resources. W- where do you turn when you need help with things? Are there groups? Are there certain people in your life? Uh, is it mostly Google? What have you found helpful?
2: Yeah, um, I think definitely a lot of Googling. And that's you know, probably mean entrepreneur, just when you're, when you don't know things. So a lot of, yeah, research on Google. Um, I wouldn't say, you know, anything particularly stands out, but also one of the best things has actually been Reddit. You know, there are a ton of subreddits that focus on topics related to entrepreneurship, also like software engineering and startups and, even like, you know, specific topics like email marketing, you know, things that we're like, okay, we don't know about this. But, you know, oftentimes we'll just like post a question or, you know, search if anyone else has before and have really learned a lot from people there who are pretty helpful sharing yeah. their experience. Their experience. Yeah. Well, that's been a great resource a lot of times. Um, and then we did also participate in uh, Y Combinator. Um, oh, interesting! Oh no, no, sorry. Why not Why Combinator's summer startup school curriculum? They're not not the um, accelerator program itself, but they do offer this course you can take online, um, and basically it's a free program that anyone can sign up for, and they cover like general topics related to startups. And we found it was like, pretty useful just to kind of learn about like a wide variety of relevant topics to starting you know your own startup. So that was a good resource as well.
0: If you had an easy button, what would it look like for finding answers? What do you wish that was out there that's not out there?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I could say for me, I would see it as like... Like, like, I, I guess, like, dedicated forums where you could really interact with other founders who have gone through things before And, and I mean, things sort of exist, you know. Like, John was talking about the startup school program through Y Combinator, like that. That was actually useful from a networking perspective and just meeting other people that were also going through that who are founding companies. There's meetups, uh, you know, in, in Chicago and other cities for founders. There are Reddit, you know, subreddits for is startups and entrepreneurs and things like that. So you you can pick their brains, but, you know, you don't always know who you're talking to, what their experience is. So mm-hmm. I think just like, you know, the, the biggest thing that would be a nice to have would just be, you know, a bigger network of people who have done this before. Um, mm-hmm. We do have, like, you know, we're lucky we have some family and friends who like, we can pick their brains, you know, on, on some different types of of topics. Um, But, you know, just having a a more, a a better network to kind of talk through like the unique aspects of problems we face would be a nice to have.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I started following Critter. I follow most of the startup businesses and small businesses that are guests on the show. And I, I just love the stories. Okay. That's just me personally. I love watching businesses and what happens to them over the years and how they grow and morph and pivot and get acquired or uh, close up shop. And so I, um, I noticed that you've been posting on LinkedIn about your journey what prompted you to do that? That's an interesting idea. And um, I've certainly enjoyed reading a couple of the posts that you put out there. <laughs>
1: well, I'll say first, thanks for, for following along. We appreciate it. Um, I, You know, so I think like when I think about it, we, we call it what you're referring to is we just call it Critter Blog, not the most creative name, but it was to the point. And, you know, basically the idea came from, you know, if I Go back to what we were talking about just a little while ago that, you know, I don't have a lot of experience with marketing and kind of PR things like that. And so one of one of my takeaways was I need to use the skills I do have to my advantage. And um, one thing I've always really enjoyed doing was was writing. At one point, I had considered pursuing journalism as a career. I was the editor of my high school newspaper. You know, I've always just really enjoyed writing. Um, I've had a couple blogs in the past that people enjoyed reading. So, you know, really the idea for the blog came down to, well, how could I leverage, you know, my skills in writing? And the original concept was, you know, we were launching, we were going to publicly announce the company in June. We'd been working on it you know, since last fall, but we were going to announce, you know, kind of to the world for the first time, the company in June, and we were going to try and build a, a wait list up until, you know, basically until we launched, which we had, you know, again, doing planning for September. And I thought, well, I want to build that wait list of, you know, people who will kind of be our initial testers. I want to do that over the next three months. And and I didn't have, you know, like big goals. Like, it wasn't like we were like, we need to get 2000 testers or anything. It was really like, we wanted 100 to 200 people to sign up for our waitlist and become early testers of the app. And then, you know, like we talked about earlier, like that 100 or 200 people, you know, they might invite their partner or their kids or their parents or whoever helps with their care to the app as well. So we thought if we could get 100 people to test the app, you know, we might have our first couple hundred users kind of organically that way. So the question was, how do we build that that wait list. And right. so I, I said, well, okay, I like writing. I think I can do it pretty well. And I, I think the story of building a startup from scratch can really be, it can be
0: really exciting and interesting. And, it, and, and it can I think it's me. absolutely genius. I mean, I'm curious what kind of response you've gotten from it. Have people offered suggestions or signed up?
1: Yeah, it's it's been good I mean I mean it's not it's not as if we have a distribution list of like thousands of people or anything but you know the experience worked out really well I mean I, I would say within a week we had passed the hundred person mark on our wait list so we, oh, I wow
0: wow congrats I,
1: thank you I mean we so I had like planned to like build that slowly over a couple months to to you know 100 to 200 people and we we got over a hundred people in, in a week and I think part of wow. that
0: wow
1: you know, posting to the blog and kind of sharing that. And then I'd say, you know, every week, you know, we post an update, we've got, you know, you know, probably over 100 people who read it every week, a good mix, there's been really good engagement, like we get really good open rates. Um, Like, you know, if if you send out a blog post, you would maybe expect, like, I don't know, 10% of people, you know, I don't know, like something not super high but like every every week you know
0: our i would our, expect less than that actually yeah. given so, the yeah. amount of sheer garbage that there is yeah. these days yeah. on, and pardon my editorial comment uh, but
1: I, I i i hear you i agree with you i mean i so we we every week when we send it out to our distribution list we get about 75 percent open rate of the people who have signed up so
0: uh, what that's I, astounding yeah, see yeah, my, that you got exactly what People say, the marketers say you should look for, you don't need numbers. What you need is a small tribe of raving fans. And that sounds like that's just exactly what you're building.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, every week it grows just a little bit. I think I'm, we have plans to kind of explore further ways to market the blog and, you know, post it. We haven't been too aggressive with that, but I think we can do more with it um, just to kind of, you know, publicize it a bit more. But it's been it's been fun and it's been a way to just kind of build up a base of content so that when we do launch, there's like things we can point to. Um, you know, and have a really good foundation of content, you know, for for people who stumble across this later. Well, not,
0: not only that, but you have a record of your story, which is great. I mean, I can't tell you the number of, of people who have been in business a number of years and then it, you know, the years all start to blend together. And um, so you you've actually made a a great record for yourself, and who knows maybe it'll be great fodder for a book someday. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, i't I actually haven't considered that like aspect of just like keeping a record of the business in, in a way like probably a lot of people don't do. I think that's a that's an interesting benefit I haven't considered.
0: Well, how have you been funding all of this, and what are your plans for funding for the future? Um. Yeah, that's a great question. So <laughs> <And> everybody gets <laughs> asked that question. You've probably been asked it a million times, right? Right. Yeah.
2: So yeah. So right now, you know, it's one hundred percent from our savings. Um. You know, we quit our jobs last year and had saved up money to, you know, intentionally do this. Um. But we are thinking about potentially pursuing a friends and family round um, a fundraising as initial rate way to like raise some capital from within our network. But I think our focus is mostly on, you know, trying to bootstrap our way to profitability as quickly as we can
0: so that, you know, it can be self-sufficient. And does that look likely based on your uh, projection so far? I mean, I, I don't I don't I, you know, you don't need to get into the nitty gritty, but I will say one common theme among entrepreneurs that I've interviewed on the show is that they all say it takes longer and costs more than you think it's going to take to get started. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that's. Um... That's fair. Uh, You know, I think it's hard because we haven't launched our app yet to really, like, hone in on that. Like, if, you know, like, the thing is, like, so we don't have, like, a number of users and, like, growth rates that we could look at and say this is good. I mean, obviously, there's this aspect. I think sometimes, like, you launch an app and you just kind of hope, like, people find it. Like, that's obviously that doesn't work. Uh, you have to like <laughs> yeah. you have to get the word out and you have to like get users. And then, you know, it's like we said earlier, you know, uh, when we talked about our revenue model, like everything's going to be free in the beginning. So the way we look at it is we really need to be able to fund the next two years, um, you know, to give ourselves enough runway um, in order to uh, build up a big enough user base and get to the point where we have software for the pet professionals that that they'll pay for. Um, We we do think that'll take, um, you know, at at least another year, if not two. Um, To your point, it may even be longer, right? That, you know, we don't know what we don't know at this point, and maybe we're being Optimistic. but I, I think, so it's hard to say whether the business is going to quickly get to profitability. That's our goal. Um, we're, you know, I think the biggest thing is just next year, focusing on like experimenting with different ways to, to make money. And that might be partnering with different brands, you know, selling pet products through the app, Yeah. Um, the, the advertising we talked about, you know, premium features we talked about, and then, you know, just kind of bridging, you know, you know, building a bridge until we get to the point where, you know. Know, we hit our, our future, you know, more, I think our stronger opportunities, which is that software for the, the pet professionals. So yeah. we'll see what happens. I, I think, you know, that's why we are looking at doing, you know, we, we have a lot of mixed feelings about like fundraising from like venture capital. I mean, even uh, every-
0: I saw your blog post on that, by the way, and I agree with it. I mean, it's a, it's a terrible dilemma, right? I mean, okay. You get maybe some mentorship if you do it right and you're lucky, but um, you're not the only one driving the bus anymore. And there's a certain amount of freedom and fun that comes with being able to just follow the path wherever you think it should go, right?
1: Yeah, it, it, exactly. And I mean I think, you know, like uh, like with everything going on in the economy right now, I think now is not even a particularly good time to pursue, you know, fundraising like that, which is why I think in our head we we start with this idea of a friends and family round, which is just that, you know, first initial, you know, maybe smaller kind of round to bridge the gap for the next couple of years yeah. and hope that gets us to the point where we can, you know, really implement a true business model.
0: Yeah. Well, so I want you to share a little of your vision with my listeners. If What is the business, what does Critter look like three years from now, if you're successful?
2: Yeah, I'd say, you know, in three years, if we're successful, we'd like to have built out, you know, a really great suite of tools, both for pet owners, but also the professional um, area. And so, you know, I'd imagine we have everyone from your, you know, dog walkers to vets, groomers, daycares, shelters, like maybe even breeders or boarding places, like really just anyone who works with pets to kind of, you know, use our app and, and have that central place, um, actively using the app, you know, interacting with their customers who also, you know, consider Critter just like a really indispensable tool as pet owners and just something that really like helps them in their day-to-day life as, as a pet owner and as a, you know, pet business. So I think that's kind of our goal.
1: Yeah. I mean, we view Critter as a a platform for pet care, really. I mean, it's, we want it to be a resource for people, you know, day one, it's about tracking activities, making sure that, you know that the dog gets walked, the medicine is given foods, given all of that. And, 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 also that anybody taking care of your pet can really understand that, you know, what they need to do when they need to do it, how they're supposed to do it. That's really kind of the day one functionality. But I think we, we envision a world where critter is uh, a resource for, you know, training. It's a resource yeah. for uh, learning from other pet owners, um, you know, with, with forums where you could ask questions and get answers answers, um, you know, a way to, to organize, uh, you know, every kind of every just aspect of your pet's life. I mean, so that's, you know, and, and to be able to interact with, you know, you're different the different people you work with. I mean, today we have an account we log into with our groomer. We have an account we log into with our vet. We, you know, yeah. we have uh, we we had a trainer who who you know I still reference this email she sent us with links and videos and you know instructions and stuff. And you know, it's, what it says to me is like it'd be great if I had one place where I could right. you know interact with all these people so that my pet's life was organized. And that's right. I think if we're successful that. That's, that's what Critter will be. Um, but it's a, it's a long way before we, we get there and we recognize that.
0: What, um, based on your journey so far, what advice would you offer to other people who are thinking about starting a business?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a big question. (laughs) Um, I, I mean, Jonah, we could both kind of chime in on this one. Um, I think the, the one thing that jumps out to me is like my, my advice would be have a plan, but be responsive um, because things will change. I mean, you you do like I personally feel it's really important to map out the different steps that you expect to take. And, you know, have just like a high level, at least a high level timeline for like when you think things will get done by I think you should have a budget and you should, you know, track finance and just kind of overall I mean that's what I mean when I say like have a plan. But what, what I've really learned in this first year as we've, we've geared up and started, you know, building out Critter is just that things change. I mean, you, you learn new things. You realize that something's going to take a lot longer than you expected. You have to, you know, you get insights from like user interviews and things like that. And you realize, OK, this thing I was thinking I was going to do, I don't think it's actually going to be very valuable. And yeah. so you have to be nimble and you have to be kind of like, all right, like I can't get too married to that plan. Um, So I do think it's important to have a plan, but I think you also need to be really responsive and, and kind of trust your gut. You know, you, you, you should trust your gut when it, when it tells you to change your plans or re-prioritize your efforts. So I think that's one thing I know, Donna, what, what would you share?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, for me, one of the biggest you know piece of advice i have is i think it's acknowledging and really accepting like any mistakes that you make and just learning from it because it's going to happen and you're not going to going to make you know the perfect decision at every step of the way it's just not realistic you don't know everything but i think what's important is not to dwell on it and take it as like this is just part of the journey and it, it's all kind of it is all productive and you're always learning yeah. um and, you know, in, in a similar vein, there's there's going to be a lot of things you just don't know, um, no matter what, like no matter how prepared you are to start a new business, how much an expert you are, like you always, you know, there's a lot you're going to do wrong and a lot you don't know. So I think just accepting that too, and not looking at it as a negative. I know like I myself can be like hard on myself about some of that and be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah.
0: Like, I raise like, my hand and say for sure that I, that resonates with me.
2: Yeah, I think a lot of people, you know, you see it as like, you know, wasted time or whatever, like, I wish I hadn't done that. But really, like, maybe you would never have learned. And, you know, it it all kind of takes you on the journey to where you are. And I think it's not a negative, it's still productive, you're learning, you know, you learn these lessons. um, And I think that's what's important, just being willing to learn and seeing it as a positive Um, or, you know, it can be a negative, but just being able to rebound from it and just moving forward and not dwelling on it too much and not being too much of a reactionist about it. So I think,
0: I think those are two great pieces of advice. Last question for you before we wrap up, if people are interested in learning more about critter or, uh, becoming a subscriber to the app or maybe just chatting with two of you about your journey, what's the best way for them to connect with you or find more information?
1: And the starting point would be our website, which is www.critter.pet. Um, and, and we also, you know, as we've we touched on Critter Blog, so you can find that, uh, the website for that is... Critterblog.substack.com, um, and then I mean you could find us individually on LinkedIn um, either at our Critter company page or our, our own personal pages. Uh, we do tend to post at least weekly updates there, um, and then and, and we're also pretty open. Like if you know, our, like my email is Jordy at Critter.pet. John's is John at Critter.pet. You know, feel free to reach out, um, and and then hopefully the app is available in the app stores. Uh, you know, in the next, you know, two three weeks. Um, but you know, right now, you can still sign up for the waitlist to get communications uh, up until it, it it's launched.
0: Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for being with me this week. I look forward to seeing the launch of Critter and watching your company grow. Um, it's 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 been fun, just you know, hearing some of the challenges and how you approached it. So I appreciate you sharing that. Thanks so much for being on this week.
1: And thank you for having us. It was uh, was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Yeah, And, you know, before I wrap up, I want to put in a couple of plugs of my own. You can find lots of free, helpful information and resources on my consulting website, globalocityservices.com. I've also finally launched a radio show dedicated site, the SavvyEntrepreneur.org, where I'll be moving over uh, lots of content. So be on the lookout for that. And you can also check out my new dedicated YouTube channel called the Savvy Entrepreneur Radio Show, where you can listen to and even download recent past episodes of the show. So I encourage you to listen to some of the past shows. I have been blessed with some amazing, amazing guests. And I promise you, if you listen to these these shows, you'll get some valuable tips from listening to it. So like the channel, comment on it, follow it, and support the work of lots of your fellow entrepreneurs. They'll appreciate your help in getting the word out about all the great things they're doing. And likewise, I'm sure some of them will return the favor. Thanks again to all my listeners. You're the reason I do this. The door's always open. I'd love to hear from you, comments, questions, suggestions, you know, a great guest, send them my way, dnagel at org. Be sure to join me again next week, but until then, I'm Doris Nagel wishing you happy entrepreneuring.